It is Locked on Jazz for the 7th of December. What a great great chance to look back at what a remarkable start of the season it has been. Mike Conley's return and what that could mean for the Utah Jazz if he comes through and goes tonight against the Warriors. And I need a run around the league after a few days away, so we'll look at the league trends. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jazz Your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps. We're also available on YouTube where you can join the community and chat. If it's a home game and I'm on my regular schedule, that launches at 8.30 every morning. Podcasts usually up a little bit earlier unless unless I sneak away for a few days to Scottsdale, Arizona with my wife. Because the opening schedule was horrendous. My wife's a superhero and deserved a break. Um, and I wanted to go, and so I apologize. I usually tip you guys off uh, when I'm going to do that. I didn't this time. And so for those of you who tweeted at me and were upset that your team every day was not your team every day, on one level, um, I love you because of your dedication and your uh, desire to hear the show, and that's how I read it. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. There wasn't a part of me that was like, dude, seriously? But I get it. Um, and I didn't tell you, I almost always tell you beforehand, and I didn't this time for various reasons. So, um, anyway, I'm back, I'm refreshed. Uh, we just, I have not had a lot of times in the NBA season that either had that front side where we played that many games, and the end result of playing that many games, we get three days off in a row, which is, is really rare. And I think we do it a few times now because we were so far ahead in games played that the league had to let the rest of the league catch up to us in how much we played, so um, took advantage of it and got away. Um, I'm not going to lie, when the plan- when the trip was planned, um, it was early December, seemed like a non-ski season time. Wow, this is something else. Uh, so I did miss some great ski days. Hopefully everyone got uh, a piece of that. So sorry, uh, apologize to those of you, and, and I get it. Like, you're used to it, it's in your rhythm, it's suddenly not there, it's a little bit of a pain. I'm not, I'm not dismissing that at all. So, uh, uh, you know, my bad. It was... an Interesting opportunity for me to kind of just think about the season. Um, I will admit that an entire day went by where I had no idea what the NBA scores were and had to use game to game to go catch up, uh, which was weird. Um, I don't do. I, I have not ever in the middle of a season quite unplugged the way we just did, which was it's cool, it's different, I feel great. Um, but I, it did give me a chance to kind of reflect on like where we are, what's happened, how did we. You know, you're in the middle of it and you're just kind of living it. This is a pretty incredible story. You know, we are over under wins. We we know this was 23.5. And here we sit at really the basic corner point of the season with this gritty incre- team with incredible tenacity, um, plays together, po- ball pops, uh, you know, is in close games on a regular basis, has... I mean, I can think of literally a play where a guy didn't get back this year. Like, it stood out to me so dramatically. 
this year on a play when one of the plays where one of the guys didn't get back that I mentioned it on the air that that didn't usually make air it was just kind of an occurrence over you know at times so this team's great they got the eighth best differential in the NBA um, it's really like if you go back some of the things we've become kind of oh that's how this is happening how this is working and we haven't stopped ourselves let like Jordan Clarkson has become a starter and a distributor. And I, I don't know. I, he was always a team player. So if I say the ultimate team player, that sounds like he wasn't before. But because he, he was doing exactly what the team asked. But the team has asked something dramatically different. He has actually increased his, his shots per game. He's increased his minutes. He's playing 32.3 minutes a game. He hasn't done that since his second year in the league in L.A., his overall effective field goal percentage is up. Like, what an amazing year by Jordan Clarkson's year. He's averaging 20 points and five assists a game. Like, it's really, these are the things that by getting a little break, I, I was able to kind of pull myself back away from the scene. And I think, feel like I took this all in a little bit more. There have been certainly moments, you've heard me, the, the offense being ranked four, third now in the NBA. I'm totally flabbergasted. Totally flabbergasted by it. Boston and Phoenix are better. Boston, as we've talked about, is on a totally different stratosphere. They're now three points above the rest of the league, and they're almost nine points better instead of ten points better. It's come down a little bit than the league average. But they're historically the greatest offense the league's ever seen. And then there the Jazz sit behind Phoenix, who's been marvelous. Like, wow. You know, we've, like, on the top level, we like, we've we've loved... Lowry Markinen and his development, and I want to talk about it more, but it's it's pretty amazing. He's he's his numbers have jumped four minutes a game from a near career high last year, second most. He's shooting the ball at the rate he only did in his second year in the league. And if you go back and comp him to a second year in the league, he's shooting ten percentage points better. We have so many. He's gone from fourteen point eight to twenty two points a game. We have so many little stories here that are so great that are taking place. And it was an opportunity that I took during this little break to, to actually revisit all of them and take maybe that perspective of, you know, we've lost, I think it's what seven of nine or maybe eight of 10, or then we won. And now we've lost, you know, okay. We went two and two and six without Mike. And it, it, we got kind of out of whack. I think a little bit in the, the grandiose big picture of October 19th expectations on opening night to what we've experienced because yeah, we were 12 and six or we were 10 and three, depending which way you want to, which marker you want to have. And now we're 14 and 12. Certainly in the last loss to Portland was probably the most frustrating of the group. If we're being, you know, totally honest about it. So yeah, like I, I haven't been upset about a loss all year until that Portland game. And I'm not like you heard it on postcast. I, we, we were upset. Like that was a bummer. Um, and we've lost six of eight. Sure. But if you take the big, I, I pulled out of that realm, like that night to night, day to day moment is what happened on the strip. As I pulled, I pulled back out of that, and took some time to just kind of look at at what we are. Kelly Olynyk, Kelly Olynyk is just spreading his wings as a player at thirty plus years old, taking what he got in Houston for that brief little stint in Houston in the end of the twenty 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 one season when he played twenty seven games there, and turned this into. Like who he is as a player, his career high field goal percentage, career high three point percentage, career high two point, second highest two point percentage of his career. Only the year was the Houston year. 
averaging 13 points a game, five rebounds, three assists, and I would argue is like the second most important conductor on this team behind Mike Conley. Like, it's really cool. From Vanderbilt's threes to each of our guys spreading their wings to try to become better players while doing it with an incredible amount of togetherness, moving the basketball, playing the right way, playing whatever. Will Hardy Systems. Jazz run. You listen to these coaches. The Jazz run a ton of off-ball screen action. They're doing it with two seven-footers. They're doing it in a way that bothers other teams. It's changed the league. Tyron Lue talking about how Will Hardy and and Taylor Jenkins have brought new things into the league and changed how people, you know, how the game's played. Uh, the Jazz playing interchanges off the ball with seven-footers and getting unique matchups on it. Each night we get a little bit more from an opposing coach which about what makes Utah a different and unique team. Um, I think tonight I'm going to try to find out from Steve Kerr a little bit more about Tokyo and um, Will Hardy's kind of background of his year, his year in Tokyo, or his off-season in Tokyo during COVID, in which he spent, um, they, they were there for the world, maybe for the Olympics, and Hardy's on the staff, and it's Pop, Steve Kerr, Lloyd Pierce, uh, Jay Wright and Hardy's in those rooms and they can't go anywhere really. And so it's just basketball talk, basketball talk, basketball talk. And I'm gonna, I want to see if Steve can tell us um, about that as well. So just kind of, you know, we learned Will Hardy this year. It's been a great start. That I just wanted to kind of take us to that perspective. I wanted to take you with me there. I mean, I don't know if we're going to make the playoffs or not. I don't know if that's really what our goals are. I don't know what happened in the trade deadline. It's still kind of lingering. But I certainly didn't expect... 26 games into a season that we'd have a 63% chance, according to 538, to make the playoffs. Right? I really thought we would be caught in a world of monotony talking about, you know, losses and probably peering toward college basketball. I mean, I had really planned on every Thursday having somebody on from our Lockdown NBA draft show to talk about draft prospects by this point of the season. December, I was going to have them on every Thursday. Tell me if you still want that. And do a quick interview and update with what's going on in the draft and what people should be looking out for. And maybe we should because we still have three first-round draft picks. Brooklyn and Philadelphia are still sitting at 500. Minnesota's below 500 and our pick will be whatever it turns out to be. Right now our pick's the best of them or the worst of them, which is ironic. Um, and maybe that's still a good idea. But that's really where we thought we were going to be and we're not there and it's pretty great. Uh, so we'll talk about it. All right, I want to – we'll talk about the, the – we will get into the struggles. What happened if Mike Conley, in fact, returns tonight? He's upgraded to questionable. And if he's ready to go, uh, what a great bump to the Jazz. And we'll look at the 2-6 and six stretch without Mike Conley and what kind of happened in that stretch for the Utah Jazz um, and, and why the 2-6 and six and how it will be great to have Mike Conley back. We'll, we'll look at that as we continue. I have some Lowry stuff, and then we'll do trends of the NBA because I need trends of the NBA. I need to know what's happening over the last two weeks and last 10 days. Get a little refresher here after our almost mini All-Star break we just got. Uh, today's show is brought to you by our good friends at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. The Murdochs have been in Utah for over 80 years. The Hyundai lineup of cars, when I've done my research, as you guys have, may have heard by now, it, you know, I went and looked at it. For the bells and the whistles and the safety features and the value and the gas mileage and everything you're going to get, for that dollar point, there was nothing that equaled it. So then the question is whether you like the car. So what I would suggest to you is if you're in the market for a car, head down and at least give Hyundai a chance. We'll set you up with a VIP meeting at any of the three locations, give you that, and you can go test drive, look at the Santa Fe, look at the Tucson, look at the Kona, look at the gorgeous Palisade, look at the Sonata that I'm driving right now, and see whether or not it matches what you want and what is like your preference. 
Car buying is a little particular. I can give you the basics, the X's and O's, and all the fundamental stats that you're going to get the most value for your car. But it's not necessarily you know, to, to your liking. So head on over to Murdoch Hyundai. Email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. We'll set you up with a VIP meeting over at Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show is also brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, where the game begins. Odd new, odds, news, scores, all the rest you can get at Bet Online. Check out the latest odds on the NBA championship or playoffs or win totals or the rest. The Raiders and the Rams are your Thursday night game this week. And the Raiders are a six-point favorite over the Baker Mayfield-led Rams. Yeah, did you hear that? Baker Mayfield. Yes, that's a possibility. Uh, Tonight, the Utah Jazz against the Warriors, who will be without Steph Curry, without Draymond Green, without Andrew Wiggins, are a a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Good one tonight in Phoenix. Boston is a two-point favorite. Over the Phoenix Suns, that might be an NBA Finals matchup. Boston right now is the favorite by a lot at plus 350. Milwaukee next at plus 575. Warriors at plus 750. Phoenix at plus 850. Clippers still lingering at plus 900. And Denver at plus 1400. Uh, BetOnline.net. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. For your second listen, Locked On Sports Today. 22-minute recap of everything going on in the sports world. Updating you. If you're a political listener to NPR's Up First, think about it as the NPR Up First for sports. That's literally how I built it and what I want it to be. So that's how you should think about it. All right, let's talk about what happened without Mike Conley. Um, So first off, if we just do eight game last eight games... Overall rankings, just not even get into um, close games or things of that nature and look at where the Jazz were. In those eight games, the Jazz suddenly were 2-6, and six, and their actual differential was almost dead even. Uh, they were seven, 117.8 offensively, which is fourth best in the NBA, which is right near where they rank otherwise. And their defensive ranking was 26, which is exactly where they ranked for the season. So this is really interesting. Without Mike, if you, if you look at what we do for the season, right now the Jazz offensive rating is a 116.1 and we're third best in the NBA. And if you look at, this is just using NBA numbers, not clean the glass, which I usually use. Um, and the defensive rating was a 113.6, 25th in the league. And if you look at the eight games we played without Mike Conley, we're virtually the exact same. Um, now, obviously, those eight games sway the 25, 26 somewhat, but not a lot when you suddenly have without Mike Conley. Our offense was actually better. It was a 117.8. It was up plus 1.6. And our defensive rating in that time period went the wrong way, went to 118.3. So our defensive rating went far more askew without Mike Conley, but ranked 26th in the league. So for the stretch, we were virtually the exact same, which is really kind of bizarre and interesting that it played out that way. Our shooting, sixth best in the league. That's generally right about where we are. Um, I'm now comparing NBA numbers to clean the glass numbers. But for the year, we're seventh. Our turnover rate without Mike Conley, we went from ranking 24th in the league to ranking to ranked 25th in the league. Went from turning over 15.9 to 16.1. Like, it's really our rebounding, which was has been somewhat disastrous. Our defensive rebounding, which is... 22nd in the league now without Mike Conley did slip to 29th, which is a little interesting there. And that was particularly late game. And we'll touch on that. Um, Or yeah, that was our. So here's what really my point is. When you look at the whole entire game without Mike Conley, it didn't seem that different. 
until the final five minutes. In the final five minutes of a game within five points, in the, when Mike Conley played, the Jazz differential was a plus 17.5. Our offensive rating was a 125 and our defensive rating was a 107. That's points per 100 possessions. So we are a plus 17.5. Without Mike Conley in the clutch, our offensive rating over the last eight games, I, I like I ran this three times last night and I'm checking it again because I have a hard time believing that it can be true. Our offensive rating in the clutch in the last eight games uh, when we didn't have Mike Conley and we went to the, and unfortunately for us, we went to the clutch five different times was a 100. I just double checked. Didn't want to be wrong. So we went from being a clutch team of a 125 per 100 possessions to 100 points per 100 possessions without Mike. And in turn, our defense went from a 107, pretty good, to a 121, pretty dreadful. So we went from being a plus 17.5 team in the final five minutes within five to a minus 21 team in the final five minutes within five. So why? Well, here's what's really interesting. Our shot rate, our ability, our our shooting went up. We shot it better in games in which Mike Conley did not play in the clutch. Our offensive rebounding, which has been a signature, maybe we weren't in position well enough, we didn't offensive rebound as much, without was actually just as good. Our offensive rating was from 40 to 43%. Our Free throw rate was similar. We went from turning the ball over in the stretch from 11% of our possessions to 33% of our possessions in the final five minutes within five of the last five games we've played their coach. We have turned the ball over on one out of three possessions. Is that incredible? It's a problem, but it's amazingly bad and a real testament to like that without a natural point guard, Will Hardy found a way for this team to kind of navigate 43 minutes a night. And then when it was really time to have a decision maker on the floor to make the right reads, we just kept getting the ball in the wrong people's hands. I mean, Lowry getting caught caught at the top of the uh, mid court in trouble and no one comes to the ball is that sums this up. The On the defensive end, certainly that's a large part of what just took place, right? If you're turning it over 33% of the time, and I don't know how many of those are live ball, you're giving yourself a problem. We also just stopped the defense, our, our defensive effective field goal percentage. So how we defended shots in the clutch over the last eight games was stunningly good. Very similar kind of story here. That in the clutch over the last eight games, when we're 0-5 in the clutch, everybody else played like two games, our defensive effective field goal percentage was 40%. It's actually in that stretch of time, it's like the seventh best in the league. However, we fouled at an alarming rate. We didn't force any turnovers, and we didn't defensive rebound at all. We're at 50% defensive rebounding rate. We only force 6% of our opposing opposing opponents, opposing possessions 
into turnovers, 6%, while we were turning it over at 33%. And then we fouled at an incredible rate. Like, we had a 0.6 foul rate. So, I mean, really the impact is we went 0-5 in clutch games without Mike Conley. And therefore we went 2-6. and Credit to the Jazz that all but one game without Mike Conley was close. It's the same signature. And we had some guys step up. Clarkson averaged 22, Markin averaged 22, Sexton averaged 17. And then we had Malik Beasley, who we knew the minute Mike Conley got hurt that Malik Beasley was going to struggle. 33% from the field, 30% from three. And if you dig into the next level of like where this was happening, we just had some lineups that struggled. Like when we suddenly had Colin Sexton off the floor and we're trying to play Taylor Horton Tucker as a point guard with Malik Beasley and then they tried it with Nikhil Alexander-Walker and you got Lowry and Walker on the floor and we were minus nine. For That lineup was a minus nine shooting 38%. It's a struggle, right? Like who? Like that's a struggle. And then we tried THT with JC and Malik and thought maybe that could score with, with Kelly Olenek and, and Jared Vanderbilt. And it's a small sample size, but that lineup went minus 15 and shot 31% and 18% from three. Like, just tough. You just, you got, you get thin, and then it's the next tier. And we were negative with both Taylor Horton Tucker and Nikhil Alexander-Walker on the floor, collectively, and all that time. So that's really what happened without Mike, is that we actually were pretty much as good as we've been until the final five minutes. And that's where the veteran leadership, and hopefully Mike returns tonight. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, And I'm sure it's under some restriction and things, but... He's pretty diligent and good with his body, so hopefully he comes back and he's um, he's ready to go. That would be that would be the ideal here, right? No question. Uh, we would love to see him at the um, at the absolute highest level uh, coming up. Today's show is, uh, we'll look around the league, and then I had a, just a quick thought on on Lowry or two. Uh, today's show. Brought to you in fault part by the world's largest car sharing marketplace, Toro. With Toro, you can book any car you want wherever you want it from community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., U.K., Canada, and Australia. Book a spacious SUV, a minivan for a family road trip. Get the classic or luxury car for a special event or birthday or holiday. Find affordable Economy cars, if you're on a budget or just need to get from A to B. Or test drive an electric vehicle. You've had your eyes on or see what it's like and how it fits into your everyday life. Toro can answer all of your needs. Many Toro hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance terms, conditions, exclusions to apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Toro.com. Please avoid the uh, mistakes that many others have made and go get yourself a Toro and have some fun. T-U-R-O dot com. T-U-R-O dot com. Thanks very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps as well as on YouTube. And if you need to recap the night in the NBA, we have game to game for you. It's a really great, quick way to recap uh, nightly action. It's on the Locked on NBA feed, and it's a minute recaps from all of our NBA hosts with their local experts. Um, I just want to take a quick second on Lowry. Like, he's done, he's doing some incredible stuff right now. Um, one thing that's interesting to me is because he's seven foot and because he shoots the three, everyone's always said, oh, he's a great shooter. And that's actually not true. He's a good shooter. Um, and he's actually been an average NBA shooter up until, well, maybe now. He had one year where he did shoot 40%, but his career coming in was 36%. He is now 
clipping at a 41% rate on three-point shooting. Which, as like the primary offensive force, is pretty amazing. If you split the season in half, and you take the last 14 games, Lowry Markkinen, over the last 14 games, is shooting 53% from the field, 51% from three on six and a half attempts a game. He's scoring 23 points, eight rebounds, and two assists. And 80% from the free throw line. He's not a 50-40-90. He's a 50-50-80. It's a really remarkable number. He's scoring 22.5 points a game on 14.5 shot attempts. Now, we'd probably like to get him more shot attempts, and I asked Will Hardy about it, and Will said, you know, we play so randomly, we're not getting in the ball in set plays, and we're not really playing. We just call him a set and get him the ball. You know, at some point we can get there, but that's not entirely the way we play. Staying with just kind of how hot he is, by the way, if you want to kind of just uh, take a more recent stretch, over the last seven games, he's actually about he's about the same. Over the last six games, he's at 52 and 52 from three. And 86% of the line and 23 points a game. And nine rebounds. But the last 14 games, when in a span where the entire league knows he's now the go-to guy, right? There's there's no questions anymore. He is now the go-to guy. He has to learn how to be the go-to guy. He, he's, he's trying to figure it out. And there's no question we're playing a bunch of teams twice, and they all got an idea who he is. And they know he's the, the stir that makes our drink go. He is shooting 53% from the floor, 51% from three, and 81% from the, from the line. That's insane. And it was, it's not like he's snuck up on anybody anymore. It's really remarkable. All right. Uh, I always like to look at uh, the trends. And as I joked with you, I needed a review of the trends to see where everybody in the NBA is. We'll start with Cleaning the Glass, who likes to look at non-blowout time over the last two weeks. And we'll look at who's got the best differential, who's the hottest offense, who can score, who can't, who can defend, who can't. So the number one team over the NBA over the last two weeks are number one, the Boston Celtics. Number two, tonight's opponent, the Golden State Warriors. Number three, the Memphis Grizzlies. That's worth taking note of. Number four, New Orleans. That's worth taking notice of. And number five, the Phoenix Suns. Milwaukee right there. Denver right there. Sacramento right there. New Orleans and Memphis. How about that? Really might be two of the best teams in the West. The offenses that are just rolling over the last two weeks. Boston, Denver, Phoenix. Dallas and the Lakers have the fifth best offense over the last two weeks. Washington, Golden State, Utah in there as well. Teams that just can't score right now. Miami, 25th in the league. I've watched a ton of their late games. That is true. Chicago, 26th. It's interesting for all the love of mid-range. Charlotte, 27th. Indiana, 28th. San Antonio, 29th. Orlando, 30th. On the defensive end, the teams that are really locking down right now, Cleveland is the number one defense in the NBA over the last two weeks. Followed by New Orleans, followed by Sacramento, Golden State, and Brooklyn. Memphis is sixth. Memphis and Boston are the only teams in the last two. Memphis, Boston, and Golden State are the only teams in the last two weeks who are both in the top 10 offensively and defensively. 
Memphis, Boston, and Golden State are the only teams in the last two weeks that are both in the top 10 offensively and defensively. Teams that just are not defending right now are Orlando, Houston, Washington, the Clippers. It's pretty interesting. They were number two in the league defensively. Missing their guys. Portland and San Antonio. So that's cleaning the glass over the last two weeks. Let's go to the last 10 games. It's similar always, but there's always one or two little tidbits that are slightly different when we do this. I don't know if you like this, but I kind of love this. This is like one of those like really good reality checks. Okay, offense in the last 10 games. Boston, Phoenix, Jazz, Sacramento, Dallas, Lakers. Okay, like the late and New Orleans is right there. So Sacramento continues to be a top 10 off, five offense. Dallas does, and the Lakers are right in there. Teams that can't score, this will be the same. Chicago, Indiana, Charlotte, Orlando, Miami's 29th, and San Antonio. Miami's really got a problem. They really can't score. They've been really injured, but they really have a hard time scoring. It's, it's like I have notes here from a close game that I was watching with them. They're closing with Lowry, Tyler Hero, Highsmith, Butler, and Bam. And they're scoring off back cuts. Um, they're not, uh, they're trying to run a Butler pick and rolls with Bam, um, Heroes kind of becomes their go-to guy. They had a Jimmy Butler, Bam, pick and roll late. And Hortford just switches out to Butler. Like, fine. Like, they're not, Boston wasn't bothered by it at all. Um, Miami wins that game, but it, then Miami loses the other night. Uh, defensive teams that are on the top level the last five games. Cleveland's way better than everyone else, actually. It's not even close over the last ten games. They're two two and a half points better than the rest of the league. New Orleans, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Sacramento. That's amazing. And then Philadelphia. Teams that aren't defending over the last five, ten games are Denver, Portland, Orlando, Detroit, Utah, and then San Antonio. Much worse than everyone else. And overall ranking in the top last 10 games, New Orleans is number one in the NBA by two points over Boston. Cleveland's three. Sacramento next. Thank goodness we don't have Cleveland's pick this year. Uh, Phoenix and then the Lakers are the next best sixth-ranked team. They're suddenly making a nice little surge here. Um, The teams that are struggling, Portland minus five, Miami minus five, Chicago minus five. Charlotte minus six, Orlando minus 11, and San Antonio's falling apart minus 18. All right, glad to be back with you. Apologize to those of you who uh, were disappointed, and I appreciate you if you were disappointed that there was no Lockdown Jazz earlier this week. Thanks very much for tuning in. This is Lockdown Jazz. On the floor, 445 with Ron Boone. Seven, six o'clock pregame, seven o'clock tip, postcast afterwards. Jazz Warriors tonight. Hope you have a great one. Thanks for tuning in.